makes the great great. When uh, African-American businessman and scholar uh, at Clark Atlanta University by the name of Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, he wrote a book some years ago and he used as his title, What Makes the Great Great. And what he did in preparation for his book, he interviewed several gifted and great people of our race. And what he wanted to discern was what they thought made them so great. And according to his book, he knew that there was something about great people uh, in the world and even in our race that said this about them. I've tr been tried in some tough situations, but I've passed the test, and I know who I am. He knew that there was, was a quiet assurance about great people that said, no matter what life throws at me, I've got a glove big enough to catch it. When, when, when he asked Robert E. Johnson, you know, the billionaire, former owner of BET, Black Entertainment Television. Robert Johnson said this, he said, life is a grindstone, but whether it grinds you down or polishes you up depends on what you are made of. He asked the Reverend Jesse Jackson, he said, what makes you so great, Reverend Jackson? And Reverend Jackson pondered for a moment and he said, you may not be responsible for getting knocked down, but you are responsible for getting back up. Then Dr. Kimbrough asked another great person, Dr. Mae Jemison, you know, the first African-American female astronaut. Dr. Jemison responded philosophically when she said, greatness can be defined in one word, lifestyle. She said, life is God's gift to you, and style is what you make of it. It is no small coincidence, then, that when Dr. Kimbrough asked all of these great celebrities, he also asked another person, another great person, a person by the name of Osceola McCarthy. Osceola McCarthy is a name that many of you may not have ever heard, is a name that Many of you may never have even seen before, but Osceola McCarthy was, at the time, a 91-year-old black woman whose hands were yet twisted from a lifetime of washing and ironing other folks' clothes. But a woman who scrimped and saved from her job as a domestic worker in Mississippi $150,000. And not only did she save that amount from working as a domestic worker in Mississippi, but she also gave that amount, $150,000, to the University of Southern Mississippi, a university that 25 years earlier would not even have accepted her own children. Because in her words, she said, they used to not let colored people go to school there, but now they do. And now I think they ought to have the money. 
What makes the great great? Well, the late Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays of Morehouse College would say that some people remember themselves into an early grave, but other folks forget themselves into immortality. How fitting it is this morning that as we celebrate this great pastor's anniversary of Samuel Duran and his family here at the Zion Church, how fitting it is that I would be reminded of another great soldier of the 20th century, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Martin Luther King, Jr., arguably the greatest leader of the 20th century, knew something about greatness. I'm reminded that, but, but that, when, that two months to the day before his assassination on a hotel balcony in Memphis, Tennessee, Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon at the Ebenezer Church where he had served with his father as co-pastor. He preached as his sermon uh, using as his text this very scripture. Mark, the 10th chapter, the 35th through the 45th verses. And many of us remember this sermon as the drum major's speech. Well, it was actually a sermon and it was preached on February 4th 1968. It was written with such homiletical ideals and preached with such riveting resonance that many of us can remember and recall some of those, some parts of that sermon even today when this nation laid him to rest. I, I recall that he said, I wasn't there, but I have heard he said, if any of you are around are when I meet my day. He said, I don't want a long funeral. He said, you remember, if, if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, he said, to tell him not to talk too long. He said, to tell him not to mention that he had a Nobel Peace Prize. He said, that wasn't important. Tell him not to mention that he had three or four hundred other awards. He said, that's not important. He said, tell him not to mention where he went to school. In other words, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I, I don't want to be remembered for my awards and for my accolades and for my achievements. That's not important. He said, tell him, I just want somebody to say on that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. That Martin Luther King Jr. tried to clothe those who were naked. That he did try to visit those who were sick. That he tried to liberate those who were in prison. I just want somebody to say on that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love and serve humanity. Now, now, now Pastor Duran, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't get it mixed up. I, I, I have neither the inclination nor the audacity to try to re-preach that sermon on this day. For that would be presumptuous of me at best. It would be foolhardy at worst. So, but I would that we take another look at this text and see just how timelessly instructive it is for us as we celebrate a pastor's anniversary. If we look once again at the text, the setting is simple. The characters are clear, James and John the other ten disciples, and Jesus himself. The conflict is classic. Permit me, if you will, to use my, what many preachers call my sanctified imagination. To, to, to recreate this scene as it might have taken place 
given the characters involved. First of all, I want you to picture this. James and John take Jesus and they pull him to the side. Pull Jesus to the side and begin to ask him, Pastor Jesus, we, 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 we want to be, we want a favor. Now, 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 we want to be one on the right side and the other on the left in your glory. Now, isn't that just like us? Can I park right there for a minute? Today, many of us become so spoiled, we get everything we want, that many of us become like alcoholics and drug addicts. Never even took a drink. Because we want what we want when we want it. Am I right about it? Lord, I need. Lord, I want. Lord, I got to have. Give me, lend me, loan me, let me have. We don't even know what's really good for us, but we know what makes us feel good. We know what, what gives us pleasure, so we ask God to give us what we want. Uh, and then we end up inverting the second petition of that Lord's Prayer. Not thy will, Lord, but mine be done. Mm. But Jesus was understanding, even accepting at first of, of his disciples. He knew every one of them. He had chosen them. He, he, he knew that they were uh, human, so he gave them a little space. He said, he, he said, all right, brethren, what do you want me to do for you? You, you know, if I got it, it's yours. So they said, Lord, we want to be one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. When you enter into your kingdom, doesn't matter who's on which side. We just want to be close to you, Jesus. So Jesus said, well, now, wait a minute, y'all. I, I don't know if you know what you're asking of me here. I, 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 you, I want you to know that are you willing to drink of the cup that I drink of? Now, 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 before you answer, I want you to understand that the cup I'm talking about is not the cup in Dave, that David talked about in the 23rd Psalm. I'm not talking about that cup. Uh, are you willing to drink of the cup that I drink of? And I'm not talking about the cup, uh, it, that uh, Pharaoh's cup in Joseph's dream. That's not the cup I'm talking about. The cup I'm talking about, James and John, is that bitter cup, that cup of suffering, that that cup that even I will ask my father to take away from me, even though I'll ask him to take it from me, I'll say ultimately, not thy will, not my will, but thine be done. Are you willing to suffer for my sake? Yes, sir, master, we can, we can do that. We can suffer for your sake. We, we can drink of that cup. We remember you. Sermon on the Mount, when you preach, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We can drink of that cup. All right, brethren, okay, you can, you can drink of that cup. Well, hold on before you get too far. Jesus says there's a second prerequisite here. Now, 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 are you willing? I know that you are willing to suffer for my sake, but... And you can drink of the cup that I drink of. But are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? In other words, you got to be willing to submit to the will of my father. Mm. And the word submit is really the word implied in the word baptize. Uh, baptism. The, uh, a death is really implied in the word baptize. Uh, that you die to yourself. 
you got to submit to the will of your father. Are you willing to submit to the will of God? Are you willing to allow God's will to overwhelm your will? This is what Fanny Crosby meant when she said, Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, to the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Are you willing to submit to the will of the Father? It's easy to say with your lips that you want to follow me. It's easy to say with your mouth that you want to do the right thing. But how many of us are really prepared to say with your lifestyle that you really want to follow Jesus? Today, we've got churches all over this country, certainly churches all over Peoria, filled up to the max of folk who pay lip service but no life service. Mm. They say with their mouths that they believe in God. They say with their lips that they trust in God and going to serve him till he, till he die. But when it comes down to it, when the rubber hits the road, it act like they don't even ever have met it, the Lord. So I want to know, are you prepared to submit to the kingdom? Are you prepared to submit to the joy of my father's will? Yes, sir. We, we, we can do that too. We, we can submit. We're willing to, to, to submit to your, to be baptized with the baptism that you're baptized with. We remember when you told Nicodemus the other day, you must be born again. And I think grandmama said, everybody talking about heaven ain't necessarily going there. You know, even John the Baptist said, there cometh one mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm unworthy to unloose. You've been baptized with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to be baptized with that baptism, James and John? Yes, Lord, we are willing. Don't you remember you told us that you wouldn't leave us comfortless and that you will give us another comforter that would be your Holy Spirit, would it not? Yes, yes, James and John, that's what I'm talking about, my Holy Spirit. So, so, so Jesus, then, if, if that's all, would you just go ahead and reserve us a place in your kingdom? One on the left, the other on the right. Doesn't matter who's on which side as long as we're there. And, 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 and Jesus, if as long as we're making our reservations early, can we ask you what's going to be on the menu? <clears throat> can, can we go ahead and help plan the menu for ha- perhaps for the appetizer we'd like some locusts and wild honey and for an entree maybe a nice piece of broiled fish and and for dessert maybe we could have a piece of honeycomb or sweet potato pie Uh, now wait a minute James and John before you get completely beside yourselves I, I, I know that you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of you're willing to suffer for my sake I've seen it every now and then in your walk and, and I know that you will be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. I, I was just testing you as I do from time to time. But now to sit on my right hand and on my left in my glory is, now that's not mine to give. In other words, I can't give you what I ain't got. I can't give you what is my father's to give you. 
Meanwhile, you recall in the story that the other 10 disciples got mad. The other 10 started when they found out that James and John had had an audience with Jesus and the rest of them weren't invited. They started player hating on James and John for their unmitigated gall, for their unwarranted temerity, for their utter audacity at, 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 at pulling Jesus aside and asking to go ahead of the rest of the disciples. They, they, they thought they were boys. They thought they were thicker than thieves. They, 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 they thought they were like the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. But, but let's not be too hard on, 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 on the rest of them. Don't be too hard on James and John. Come on now. Let's be real. Most of us have given the same opportunity to have an audience with Jesus would have done the very same thing. Many of us right here, perhaps even in this church, if you had had an opportunity to sell, to, 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 to have an audience with Jesus, some of us would have sold grandmama down the river. Come on. So don't hate on James and John. At least on one other occasion, Jesus admonished his disciples. He said, judge not, lest you be judged by your own judgment. For with what judgment you are judged, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you. But Jesus called all the brethren to him. He, 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 at this point, he, he was a little uh, uh, frustrated with the brethren, but he, 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 he had patience still. He said, now listen, brethren, they which are rulers over the Gentiles, they're the ones who lord it over those they rule. They're the high and mighty. They're the muck-de-mucks, as we used to call them. But not so with you. With you, my disciples, you, you, you're different. With you, my disciples, you, you, whosoever will be great among you must be your minister. And, 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 and I tell you what, whosoever will be greatest among you must be servant of all. Mm. So I'll tell you what makes the great great. What makes the great great is you must be willing to suffer for my sake. You, 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 you must be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. You've got to submit to the will of God. But, 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 but what really makes you great, the truest test of greatness is service. Mm. Suffering, submission, service. You know, by this time, these disciples must have thought Jesus had lost his mind. Talking about they got to serve folk who they thought ought to serve them. Come on now. We, 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 I know if it had been today, we got some mega churches, maybe right here in Peoria, with some mega pastors who don't even know they're mega people. Come on. You, you can't get to the pastor. For all the bodyguards and armor bearers that many of them have. I ain't hating, I'm just stating. <laughs> and if you get the rare opportunity to get inside the office that they call themselves 
they call it, they used to call the off pastor's office a pastor's study. You know, but now they, don't, they call it the pastor's suite. And, 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 and they, they don't call it the pastor's study anymore because you go in and you look around and you don't see no books. Because ain't nobody studying nothing in there. The, the, the pastor's office has become more like a dressing room. Backstage at the Apollo. Come on. They, they, they dress up, put on their finery and their necktie and whatever they're going to wear and slip out the back way and they, in their Maybach or their Maserati and they hit the road for the next act. Come on. Uh, you know, come on now. I, I've been in some of these places. If, but but we, we, we can't be really, we, we can't judge. If we were in James and if we were in the shoes of these 10 disciples, many of us would have done the very same thing. Who among us, though, after all, don't believe that you don't become great by working at it? You don't become great by who among us believes that you really don't become great unless you try to be great, that you don't become great unless you believe yourself into greatness that that's what the uh, uh secular motivational speakers want to tell us that that you buy my book and you can be great <clears throat> but 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 in our in our world today we see example after example and role model after role model of folk who became great by being unethical by being immoral by being ruthless by being unloving and unlovely, our world today teaches us by precept and by example to get all you can, to can all you get, and then sit on your can. So the disciples must have wondered, said, now what is this nonsense Jesus is talking about? We got to serve somebody. Well, my brothers and sisters, what is nonsense to some? is gospel to others. What is fodder to some is food for others. This so-called nonsense became what King called a new standard for greatness. Martin Luther King Jr. was later to say, greatness is not measured by favoritism, but it's measured by fitness. Are you spiritually fit today? Now, now I understand what St. Augustine meant when he said, God is not made greater when we honor him. But we are made greater when we serve him. King put it this way. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. He said, you don't have to have a Ph.D. to serve. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You don't have to have an M.D. or a J.D. to serve. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. Not that there's anything wrong with that. All you need is a heart full of love, a soul full of grace, and a spirit generated by the love and grace of God. You too can be that servant. We've got to begin to take more seriously the credo of these United States we call the, 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 the Declaration of Independence. We say we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal. We've got to begin to recognize that that statement does not only apply to questions about race and in this country, but it also applies to questions of class. 
King said, you know, we got a whole lot of Negroes in God's church today who got classism in their veins. They, they don't want to be bothered with certain kind of Negroes, you know. We don't want to go to the south side of Peoria. Come on. We turn up our noses at certain kind of black folk. Uh, wouldn't be caught dead in certain neighborhoods. Well, well, I, I was delighted to know that your pastor was sharing with me that he ain't scared, he ain't scared, he ain't scared to go to the hood. He ain't scared to go and serve folk at the liquor store. To go and serve them and serve them, give them sandwiches. Give them, give them, give them, give them bottled water. And, and they, they're, they're grateful for it all. You never know what things you can do when you allow yourself to be used by God. Martin Luther King Jr. tells the story again once of how he was in seminary and he was getting ready to graduate from Crozier, which is no longer there. Um, it's become a part of another seminary up in Rochester, New York now. And, but he was about to graduate and he, a friend of him, his, told him, said, you know, I, I want to invite my mother up to the graduation but you know her verbs and her subjects aren't quite right and she dresses kind of funny you know we from the country she he said and king says he wanted to say to that classmate so badly boy you aren't fit to finish this school if you cannot acknowledge your mother and your father and your sister and your brother who had did not have the educational opportunities that you got then, brother, you ain't fit to finish this school. You aren't fit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, I have learned over the years so much from many of the learned people I've been able to study with. I've learned from, from all of the great professors and all of the great scholars that I've been able to, to study with. But I've also learned something from that humble human being, that man or that woman who didn't have the opportunity to get a formal education, but who yet had something deep down within, something we call sanctified common sense. Uh, I don't know about you, but every time I get on an airplane, I, I always like to sit near the window. And even when I came up this, 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 this just last night, I, I like to sit near the window because when I sit near the window, I'm always fascinated by the men and the women who are doing things to the plane. I see them checking the wings and I see them checking the tires and I see them loading the luggage and I see them loading on some uh, snacks and, and drinks, not many snacks anymore, but they... And, and I say to myself, these are they who represent the ground crew. And, 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 and these are they who are on the ground crew. And these folk are just as significant as the pilot. Because the plane couldn't go very far if you did not have the ground crew. This is perhaps what Douglas Malloch meant when he wrote these words. If you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, just be a scrub in the valley. But be the best little scrub on the side of the rill. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, just be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Just be the best of whatever you are. My brothers and sisters, I'm almost through. We're always talking about how we don't have many 
good role models in our community anymore. How our black men are going to hell in a handbasket. And how our black women are demonizing and demoralizing our men and each other. But the truth of the matter is our role models are sitting right here in the pews on Sunday morning. And, and, and many of our good role models are right here in our pulpits on Sunday morning. Uh, they may not have 2,000 members. They may not drive a Maybach or Jaguar or Aston Martin. They, 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 may not, they may not live in a mansion on the other side of town. But they've learned, like Pastor Duran, that true success is not about having everything you want. True success is about wanting everything you have. Oh, I know I'm right about it. And, and as much as I'm, I love Pastor Duran, as much as I'm proud of him, when I need a role model, I don't look at Pastor Duran. I don't look at my pastor. I don't look at the President Obama. I don't look at my earthly American idol. I don't look at the X factor. I look to him who I call the J factor. Uh, for it's the J factor who's never won a talent contest. It's the J factor who, who's never went to seminary. It's the J factor who never traveled more than 100 miles from his hometown. The J factor. Uh, do you know the J factor today? The J factor is one who's never scored a touchdown. He's never scored a basket. He's never hit a home run. Yet he is my J factor. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the bright and morning star. And that's all I want to say as I go to my seat. The J factor. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. Nobody works like him. Ah, yes, he is the bright and morning star, like what Isaiah said about him. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So as I go to my seat, I'm going to say these words of this song that used to, that I used to say and my father used to say at the end of some of his sermons. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody that he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my living, then my living, then my living shall not be in vain. Come on, let's give God some praise. For he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all our praise. He's more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in each of us. God is good. Yes, he is. Come on, let's give God a praise in here.